Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Hey everyone, this is your host, Greg Myers. And as we head into Financial Inclusion Month, the question top of mind for so many of our listeners seems to be this. Why are there still so many unbanked and underbanked Americans out there, especially in such a digitally dynamic and diverse landscape as our current payments ecosystem? And what's being done to service them? In this week's Leaders in Payments podcast, I speak with the Clearinghouse SVP of Sales and Relationship Management, Elena Whistler, about this very question. A mother of two, marathon runner of many, and proud Canadian native, Elena is passionate about payments inclusion as she talks about the various initiatives the Clearinghouse is involved in to proactively service our underserved demographics. For those of you that may not know, the Clearinghouse is a banking association and payments company owned by 23 of the largest financial institutions in the United States. They are the nation's most experienced payments company with a payment network that clears and settles more than $2 trillion each day. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's jump right in. Hi, Elena. Welcome to this special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast focused on financial inclusion. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. If you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about the Clearinghouse, your role, and your background. Sure, absolutely. Uh, So the Clearinghouse is a banking association and payments company. We're owned by 23 of the largest financial institutions here in the United States. And we operate payment networks that clear and settle more than $2 trillion each day through wires, ACH, check image, and now real-time payments. So yes, that's correct, $2 trillion. And sometimes it takes me a second to really absorb the amount of money that that really means uh, day-to-day here at the Clearinghouse. We are the nation's most experienced payments company. And believe it or not, I was actually founded back in 1853. We have a long track record of providing secure and reliable systems, payments innovation, and strategic thought leadership to financial institutions. And we work with industry regulators, associations to facilitate proper dialogue amongst our industry, ultimately representing our clients' needs and visions here in the U.S. Most recently, the Clearinghouse modernized the U.S. payments infrastructure with the RTP network. It's the nation's newest payment system that provides instant clearing and settlement of payments. So we have a lot going on and we continue to focus on ensuring our networks and the U.S. payments industry remain secure and safe, particularly as volumes grow. Now, my role at the Clearinghouse is to oversee business development, relationship management, and marketing. And our teams are responsible for outreach to Clearinghouse clients and prospects. Uh, helping to grow participation among the U.S. financial institutions in our products, and then also the evolving customer engagement and marketing model across our product base here at the Clearinghouse. Now, a little bit about myself. I'm a marathon runner, mother of two girls, and have a little bit of an international background. I recently moved to Columbus, Ohio from Atlanta which might not be international enough, (laughs) but I was born and raised in Ottawa, Canada before my family moved to Cleveland, Ohio. And my relatives um, are all in South America, in Uruguay, which is a little bigger than the state of Ohio. 
So I grew up traveling a lot down down there. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that background information. Well, let's set the stage for the audience. When you hear the words financial inclusion, what does that term mean to you and to the clearinghouse? Yeah, I think that term financial inclusion probably means the same thing to me as it does to the clearinghouse in general. When I think of financial inclusion, I think of providing access to the banking system to individuals who currently don't have it. And more importantly, perhaps when I hear financial inclusion, I think of the things that are not possible with it. So without a bank account, the unbanked population, these individuals have a difficult time cashing a check or receiving or making a payment. And they often have to rely on alternative financial products and services, which tend to be more costly, to be honest. They have trouble establishing credit, which is extremely important if someone wants to get a loan for a car or house. And it adds financial stress to individuals who are often have other financial stressors going on to begin with. So for the clearinghouse, which works closely with our governing banks and many other financial institutions, financial inclusion and access to the banking system is an important priority and is a shared goal of the private, nonprofit and government sectors. Okay. And you mentioned access, and, and obviously that's a big challenge, and, and you maybe mentioned a few others, but are there other big challenges that the unbanked and the underbanked face? We were just talking about the other day. First, we see firsthand bank accounts allow for individuals to receive government benefit payments quickly, such as economic impact payments, and most recently, the child tax credit payments. So, Not having access makes it difficult and takes longer to receive these government benefit payments. Other challenges are around really the perception or or reality that they don't have enough money to meet the minimum balance requirements. So there's challenges around that. There's a huge challenge of trust and there's barriers, barriers of entry with proper identification or language or just digital reachability with the internet as well as physical reachability. Earlier this year, the Clearinghouse and five other banking and credit union organizations released a paper that outlined this topic and those challenges. The paper is titled Delivering Financial Products and Services to the Unbanked and Underbanked in the United States, Challenges and Opportunity. It is available on our website, theclearinghouse.org, and it offers a number of ideas for these challenges, as well as general characteristics of what why individuals are unbanked or underbanked. I think we can all agree that there's no single reason why households and individuals are unbanked. And so I kind of, I guess, go further and say we can't address it with one large encompassing initiative, targeted approaches, varying messaging is really what's important here. Okay. And I think in that report, it mentions some of the progress that we've made over the last 10 years, but there are still demographic differences. For example, the percentage of Black, Hispanic, and American Indian households that are unbanked is higher than the national average. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. The paper did identify that. And it also mentioned that it needs to get studied further. So thinking back to the challenges and the fact that socioeconomic conditions, family and cultural perceptions, language barriers, this fuels the situation. We have a lot of work to do to assist this segment of the population. We have seen some successes with minority depository institutions and community development financial institutions. 
reaching the financially underserved community. So focusing on minority and demographic differences, focusing on the different messages that they have and the different services they might need. And so we've seen some immediate successes in that in the last few years, but there's a lot of hurdles to overcome specifically targeted at this group. Earlier this year, the Clearinghouse kicked off multiple partnerships with financial service providers in an effort to bring the benefits of faster payments, real-time payments to all Americans. And we're especially focused on individuals and businesses served by the minority depository institutions. So we look forward to seeing how that program grows and becomes successful to help these financial institutions, which ultimately helps the underserved communities that they're serving. And we talk a lot about this and we have about having a bank account and that being a key, which obviously I assume you think having a bank account is one of the Mm -hmm. the main keys, but what else does it create? I know it creates certain opportunities, but can you speak to why that's a key and what opportunities it sort of opens up for people when they have a bank account? Yeah, absolutely. So part of the value of having a bank account is to access to do other financial activities. So when you think about building credit, having a bank account enables access to providing credit and enables patterns of behaviors of payments coming in and out to provide that credit. Even now we're seeing a lot of innovation around different ways to do credit scoring, so not necessarily needing traditional means but to have access to regular patterns of payments coming in, as an example, to give a good credit score, which then allows individuals to get the credit they might need. Also, just having the stability of having a bank account reduces financial stressors, but it also enables them to build certain levels of financial wealth, be it large or small. And those patterns are really what's important for this group that needs stability, that needs the ability to move money quickly to pay things on given days. So we certainly see the bank account being the heart of financial success and financial stability in the U.S. And it allows for almost the opposite, reducing financial anxiety of not having a bank account, having that peace of mind, not having to pay higher fees for similar activity. So reducing that burden, financial burden, particularly of not having a bank account. Hey, everyone, this is your host, Greg Myers. And as many of you already know, October is Financial Inclusion Month, and we're going to be talking about all of the products, services, and ways that the payments and fintech industry help support the underbanked and unbanked. A special thanks to our title sponsors, The Clearinghouse and PaySafe Cash, as well as our principal sponsor, Instant Financial. Now, back to the show. With a bank account, these consumers have access to products like you mentioned, and especially the the RTP network. So can you talk a little bit more about the RTP network from the Clearinghouse? Yeah, I'd be happy to. We are, because here at the Clearinghouse, we're very focused on growing the usage and participation base on the RTP network. The RTP network, real-time payment network, is a new payment network here in the U.S. and enabling true real-time messaging and settlement between financial institutions. 
So all federally insured U.S. depository financial institutions are eligible and encouraged to participate in the network today. Anyone listening, please reach out. We're happy to have you. Really, the heart of the network is to facilitate real-time transaction activity to and from bank accounts, if you think about it. So real-time payments on the, the network provides consumers and small businesses, for example, with the ability to send and receive payments 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with the immediate confirmation that the payment has been received. So basically, funds are sent on the RTP network available immediately to the account holder to withdraw as cash or pay a bill, for example. So having that real-time experience day-to-day with that real-time payment is really the footprint that we're looking at. And if you're the person sending the real-time payment, you know it's received on the other end immediately because you'll have confirmation of that receipt. So these capabilities are not generally available with other payment types such as ACH and check. And it helps put the customer in control of their payments and could dramatically reduce the need to rely on, say, check cashing services or dependence on slower payment methods that might lead to late fees or penalties, for example. We see the revolution of payroll on demand, earned wage payouts and gig economy payouts on the RTP network today. It's a growing volume. And these companies such as Paychecks and Daily Pay or digital wallets such as Digit, Venmo and PayPal and even rideshare providers such as Grubhub and Uber and and others are all using the RTP network to help those payouts be faster and that whole experience end-to-end be immediate, which is what I would say all consumers love to have, but especially the segment that needs the money to do other activities immediately. It's a huge benefit. Yeah, and I thinking at, about it from a consumer perspective, especially someone that might be sort of new to having a bank account, seeing and knowing that that money has been sent and received in real time, there has to be some comfort in knowing that, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. There's comfort, there's satisfaction. And, I, and honestly, there's a sense of control of your own finances. Yeah. It's not up to other entities to complete that transaction. Right. Well, what are some of the other products, programs, and solutions that the banking industry is providing to the unbanked and underbanked? Um, one example would be Bank On. So Bank On is a very successful organization, uh, and its goal is to ensure that everyone has access to a safe and affordable bank or credit union account. Today, more than 100 financial institutions covering over 50% of the U.S. deposit share market offer bank on certified accounts. So these are low or no fee accounts that often come with debit cards free or reduced ATM access, $25 or less minimum account opening deposit and more. So the focus is really on a segment of underbanked and unbanked to facilitate a very nice onboarding process into the financial system. You know, as I mentioned earlier, additional services provided to minority deposit institutions who are dedicated to enabling financial education growth and outreach has seen a jump in the last few years. And this dedication and commitment that the financial institution community has on improving financial access and education is front and center in these new products. 
And I think thinking about this community and, and really thinking about commerce and generally in general, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the effects of the pandemic and the COVID-19 pandemic. So do you feel it's had a positive or a negative effect when it comes to reducing the number of unbanked and underbanked? Yeah, I haven't seen specific data or research that addresses this, but we do know that at the beginning of the pandemic, individuals without a bank account had the hardest time receiving pandemic relief payments or EIPs. Often these individuals needed the payments the most, but without a bank account, they had to wait for paper checks, which took a long time. While individuals who had a bank account in some sort of previous digital interaction with the treasury, such as tax returns or social security or disability payments, saw payments come through almost immediately. Subsequent rounds of EIPs also ran into this problem. Now we know that the treasury is working really hard at continuing to digitize its payment interactions and we we hope to see broader reach in the upcoming few years. They are pushing to issue nearly all payments electronically by 2030. But what that also means that we have to bring this segment of unbanked with us in this digitalization. So COVID and the economic impact payments that we saw are focused on giving money to the people that need it the most. And I don't see that reaching this unbanked population today. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about what's happening now, and we've talked about how we have improved the numbers. I mean, they have gotten better, but what's next? How do we continue this momentum? Yeah, that's a good question. I believe that financial education and targeted messaging to the unbanked population is really the key to continue the momentum. So I do believe, and we all believe at the Clearinghouse, that as we continue to see the numbers of unbanked get smaller or go down, which is a fabulous thing, it will be harder and harder to reach the last few segments of the population. So we have to be aware of those resistances that they have, those challenges to overcome and determine the best methods of engagement. So one-stop shop and one national initiative might not be the answer, but continued education, targeted messaging, and research is key, in my opinion, with the focus on the bank account being at the heart and the center. Do you guys in the banks come together and like pull resources to put campaigns together to do this? Or do you know if that happens? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, we as a clearinghouse facilitate a lot of conversation as well as advocacy between different banking associations with credit union, national associations, for example, And what we do is provide guidance, either policy guidance, legislative guidance to government authorities, Capitol Hill and others, as well as to financial institutions on what we feel and what our organization collectively feels is the best next step for what we know. So we do a lot of research and then we also then package that with guidance to suggest if certain fintech innovations are most appropriate If certain messaging with financial education is most appropriate, we did some research related to the potential cost-benefit analysis of Fed accounts or digital dollar wallets and suggesting that they may actually fail to sufficiently consider the root causes of the problem, being trust, perception, access, either digital access or physical access. 
So we do try really hard to facilitate for the group and then provide guidance at different regulatory levels. Okay. And if you don't mind, will you tell the audience again the name of that paper and and where they can get it? Because I've read it a couple of times and it, it really does have a lot of great information on this topic. So do you mind sharing that information again? Yeah, absolutely. So the paper is at theclaringhouse.org and it is called Delivering Financial Products and Services to the Unbanked and Underbanked in the United States. Great. Well, Elena, we've covered a lot of ground so far today. Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I think I covered it. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time is very valuable. So thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. Great. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 